I don't think I can turn the waiting room off. Nope. All right, we are live on Facebook. Welcome everyone. I am Dr. Megan Miller, and we are excited to have another lovely difficult discussions for you all. This is difficult discussions number eight. I'm just going to take a second to share the live video real quick to a couple of places, and then um, we'll get started with our discussion for tonight. I'm really excited to be joined by Joe Smith, Vince LaMarca, and Stephanie Bolden for the conversation. And then we also have a few members from the Do Better Collective joining us to potentially chime in on the conversation if we have time at the end. So that is exciting as well. Um, and then of course, we are broadcasting this live on Facebook. So thank you to everyone who's watching. Feel free to share uh, this to anyone that you would like to have seeing it. <laughs> All right, so I shared it on my end. I'm gonna go ahead and pull up my little introduction. So oh, let me record real quick. All right, so welcome to Difficult Discussions number eight on where have all the white men gone? I am Dr. Megan Miller, and I am pleased to welcome Joe, Vince, and Stephanie for tonight's discussion. The purpose of difficult discussions is to bring together people with different perspectives and different identities to share their perspectives on a topic that is typically considered taboo to discuss, seen as controversial and or is well accepted, but maybe should involve more critical analysis and discussion. Specific to tonight's discussion, we want to clarify that we will be talking about how each of us have um, kind of navigated the diversity, equity and inclusion and social justice issues that are coming up in our field, um, they've been present for a bit, but it, obviously there's been more of a focus over the last year. Um, and we're not here to discuss any like specific people, agencies or incidents that we've encountered. We ask uh, those of you who may be watching on Facebook Live or Zoom to engage this discussion in the same way. And any comments made in the chat that reference specific people, agencies or incidents will be deleted. The format for these events is as follows. None of the panelists will directly respond to anything the other panelists say, except in part three. In part one, each person will briefly share any identities they are comfortable sharing and indicate why they wanted to discuss this topic. In part two, each person will provide about a five to 10 minute explanation of their history and perspectives with this topic. Part three, each panelist will briefly reflect on one thing said by one of the panelists to share an aha moment or something they hadn't considered before. And in part four, each panelist will share a closing thought about the topic. This might be an action item, a key point they want listeners to carry with them, et cetera. The views and opinions expressed in the difficult discussions videos are those of each individual person and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any affiliated company or professional organization. Thank you to everyone who is joining us live for this discussion. We really want to emphasize that each of the individuals sharing within this discussion are sharing their own personal stories and journeys and difficulties um, and perspectives. So we expect everyone to be treated with respect, empathy, compassion, and civility. We will do our best to monitor the chat and anyone who is engaging in a manner that is not respectful of the discussion and that does not demonstrate a commitment to listening to learn, sharing perspectives, and or is focused on making people wrong will be removed from the chat. All right, so we're gonna go ahead and move right into part one. So question one is why this topic? So each of us is going to go around and share information about why 
we wanted to participate in this conversation. I'll go ahead and go first just because I'm already talking and unmuted. So I'm Megan. Um, I'm a cisgender woman. I'm white, neurotypical, heterosexual, mother of a five-year-old, and I'm a behavior analyst. For me, this topic, it needs to be discussed, <laughs> just to be honest. Like every single um, presentation, I, I attend a conversation I see happening around diversity, equity, and inclusion and social justice, I am not seeing white men, period. Like it's just not happening. So um, I, I want to, to find out what's going on there and figure out what's happening with that. And I, I should say, I don't see very many because <laughs> Vince and Joe are usually present at some level, but, um, but it's not like to the same level as what we see with other people and backgrounds and things like that. So I'm just curious where everyone is and what's happening there. That's me. Um, Vince, do you want to go next? Yes, that's fine. I can, I can go second. Um, just so you know, I started a timer here because I have a tendency to overtalk sometimes. So uh, we'll, we'll keep this on, on schedule. But I have, I have tons to say, and even just on this first topic here, um, some of you will have heard parts of this before. But um, first of all, in terms of my identity, you know, I used to just think of myself as, yeah, I'm, I'm a white male I'm, or I'm the old white male. And then I, I um, attended a talk, I think the first time was at FABA and it was talking about um, identity and, and uh, they showed this chart in terms of what privilege is all about. And it was the first time I'd ever seen the chart and I was like, oh my gosh, I have won the freaking lottery, okay? Because if you look at the chart when it comes to who I am really, I am a white masculine male, able-bodied, Eurocentric heterosexual, credentialed, BCBA, English-speaking, light-colored Gentile who's fertile. And in fact, I've created four more boys just like me. The only thing they aren't is credentialed. Um, so I like hit every single one of these privileged things except for um, I'm not young, although I'm a male, so I kind of get away with it for a little bit longer. Let's admit it. And then um, in terms of attraction, I'm not a 10, but I'm also not a two. So I'm not doing that bad at all when it comes to like who I am and where I fit within this society that we live in. And like, I've, I've always known that to a certain extent, but th that picture really did bring it home in terms of, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Um, and I am, I am not the biggest superhero fan in the world, but I love analogies and metaphors. And you know, there's this Spider-Man saying with great power comes great responsibility. And I do think you have to be careful about trying to become the white savior or something, but I do think it speaks to this idea to say, look, if this is where I am, if this is my placement in the world, how am I now interacting with everybody else? So that's a little bit of background to begin with. Um, second of all, my background is philosophy, actually. I came into the uh, world as uh, going to Purdue University become, to become an engineer, go Purdue, beat Ohio State. But uh, no, I, <laughs> but we never do, so it doesn't matter. But after a year, uh, um, uh, well, yeah, a year of, of doing uh, physics and, and chemistry and everything, I, I realized that I hated all of it. And I really liked philosophy. I really liked to think about things and to talk and discuss like things that, that are uh, just a little bit more than the everyday things that we, we um, sometimes deal with. And so uh, sometimes uh, issues like social justice are a little dear to my heart just um, for that reason alone. And then finally, the last thing you should know about me is that my dad was in the military. So we moved every three years. He was a, um, he was a, a navigator in, in F-4s. Um, so uh, one of those cool uh, Air Force pilots slash navigators. 
And when we moved around, I was exposed to different cultures, but it's interesting to look back at it and look at, at, at how I was exposed. Because what I talk about now is that I kind of had a tangential relationship with this exposure because the cultures were there and I would interact with them, but it wasn't necessarily that I was immersed in those cultures, right? I would always come back to uh, my own culture, whether it was with my family or with the Air Force people that we were around and things like that. So I, I have lived in a, a couple different countries when I was really young, from um, second grade to fifth grade, I was in Germany. Uh, the first preschool I went to was all German and we learned it. We thought it was so cool. We learned to, uh, to, uh, to count from one to 10. That was the most amazing thing in the world, eins, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then uh, I lived in a couple different places in the United States, both the East Coast, Virginia, West Coast, um, South, um, Cal uh, Southern California in the Redlands area. I, I finished my high school career there. And I also had some time over in Okinawa, Japan um, when I was in eighth, ninth and 10th grade. And in fact, we lived off base in Okinawa, Japan for about a year and a half. And my sister, who was a kindergartner at the time, she would actually um, go over to the neighbor's house who were Japanese and they didn't speak American and she and the little kindergarten Japanese girl would just play together even though they didn't speak the same language and I, I just thought that was neat at the time period so I do feel a privilege in the sense that I was at least exposed to differences from 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 just who I was but they were just they were they were minor things like I I talk all the time about or, or I think all the time about how um when I was exposed to any differences, it was more like of in a, in a safe, fun way. And, I, and I, I think it's interesting looking back in terms of the concepts that I had around it. Like I remember in third grade when we went back to Huntington, Indiana uh, for a year and uh, someone asked me in school if I wanted a pop. And I was like, what the heck is a pop? Are you talking about popcorn? Like what's going on here? But I'm like, oh, they're talking about soda. It's called Coke. Do I want to cope, right? But it was interesting to me to think like in third grade, I started to get this notion that people are sometimes different than me in terms of the way that they talk, but it can be fun. It's not that big of a deal. Like I had a safe, um, I, I had a, a safe exposure to it in the beginning. Um, and one of the other things, like I grew up Catholic. Uh, one of my brother's uh, favorite friends in one of the places that we stayed was Jewish and was uh, going through his bar mitzvah. So we actually went to a bar mitzvah. But my thinking at the time of that experience was, oh, yeah, they're Jewish. We're Catholic. They believe in the Old Testament. We believe in the Old and New Testament. That's the only difference. We all love God. Ta-da. Everything else is the same, right? Like I, very um, surface level experiences of, of the world around me, um, I guess I would say. But that, that I think that goes to like why this topic is important to me. Um, the reason it's important to me is for three reasons. I do think that there are times in history when there are these pivotal moments that have a chance to change the trajectory of what's going on. And I think these pivotal moments sometimes happen in our personal life, but then I sometimes think they come together as a collective to potentially have an impact on the world. And I think that's something that's happening right now when it comes to social justice. Just look at it in the news, in ABA, even probably with people that you, you talk to in general. So what I would like to do is one, to hopefully inspire some people that might be sitting on the couch in terms of, well, this, you know, I, I just don't know what to do right now to say, you know what, there are, there's, there's a process, there's just little things that you can do that kind of get you started. So that's one, one of the reasons. Um, the second is a selfish reason. I, I find this is a, a way to continue my own progress. We'll get into this more. But I, I, when I think of like the things to do, I'm like right here right now. It's this tiny little bit. 
And in my daily struggle, or not really a struggle, but my daily question as a philosopher is to go, am I doing enough? Am I doing the right amount that it's going to continue to grow? Or am I getting comfortable with this and letting that be the excuse for the rest of the world burning around me, right? So uh, that's, that's the second reason is to continue my own progress. Um, and then the last reason is because I really do want to discuss this from a behavioral perspective. I think ABA has ideas that have a power to change the world in ways that other discussions don't. And I think there's a significant difference that we can bring in, in how we think, how we talked, and of course, how we act that drive the acts that can drive society as a whole if we sometimes look at things through a behavioral perspective lens. So I'm hoping to do that as well tonight. Boom, that's it. <laughs> Two minutes over, good. sorry. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. Thank you. Stephanie or Joe, who wants to go next? I can go. So <laughs> Ben Sasso is awesome. So I am a cisgender man, um, white, neurotypical, heterosexual. I have a hearing impairment and I'm deaf in the left ear. So that's something that has always been with me. I'm married with no kids. Um, and we're in the process of becoming a foster parent, um, which I'm super pumped about. Um, Vince gave me a few other ideas about my background, about who I am. Um, and his story about Faba and how he saw the chart, I have never seen that chart. And I would love to see that eventually. Um, just because I, like, I didn't know, like there's, a, there's this whole thing of like different things of who you are. Um, so I'm Lutheran, um, born, um, raised in a Lutheran church, and I am from Pennsylvania in the middle of nowhere. And when I mean nowhere, I mean nowhere. So like my high school graduating class is 117 students, which down here in Virginia, that's like unheard of until you go like out west. Um, so with that, like growing up, I was very sheltered as far as the outside world, because in my high school, I had maybe one other peer of mine who was not white. The rest of my class was white, um, neurotypical. Um, so my exposure was very limited until I went to my first year of college. And then I met so many awesome people and experienced so many different um, backgrounds, culture, culturally, heritage. Um, and it was just fascinating. But like, it was a huge shock to me just because I didn't know, I, I didn't know like different foods. I didn't know like different beliefs. Like it, it was just fascinating. Um, so why I believe that this topic is so important is because like, for example, I am a human being that provides care to families and who has a different ethical, cultural, heritage and religious background than any of my, I mean, most of my families. So in order to be able to serve my families the best way possible, I want to continue to learn so then I may provide the best possible care um, possible. 
Um, also with me um, and my wife, you know, we're in the process of becoming foster parents. We're going to run into ish, uh, situations where I'm not going to know um, what's the best course of action or what I can do differently to provide for my the child in my care. And it's crucial for me um, and my wife for us to continue learning how we can best support um, this child while they're in our care and make sure that they don't lose any of their culture, her, cultural, um, culture, background, um, their heritage, or even their religious um, backgrounds. Um, because the ultimate goal of foster care is reunification, and I want them to go back to their family. And I'm cheering on the parents and making sure that their wishes. <laughs> Sorry, that's my. Uh, 80 pound Irish wolfhound dog. Yeah, big boy. But yeah, I mean, I, I want to make sure that we are doing the best possible care for our child. And I'm really going, we're going to really listen to our families to see what they would, what they would care, I mean, want us to do um, to provide um, that care. Um, so that's why I'm here. Thanks, Joe. All right, Stephanie, we are so happy to have you here tonight, even though you're a bit um, dealing with allergies. It's really bad here in Florida anyway, and I know you have extra stuff going on, so. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole mess. And meanwhile, like I said, for, I don't normally sound like a man, but it's fine. Like I said, we're talking about men, so I fit right in, I guess. Um, but I'm so glad to be here and thank you guys for having me. Um, my identities, well, I'm Black millennial, cisgender, um, neurotypical, mother of two, a nine-year-old, a 12-year-old. Um, I am most of the time um, a really caring and compassionate friend. Sometimes I can give tough love though. <laughs> but all in all, um, I coin myself really an advocate and I think that's part of the reason why I really wanted to be here this evening because this topic is so important for us to talk about. Like, you know, we talk all the time about like um, our field kind of being full of white men who lead the charge and all of a sudden it's like they're an endangered species or something. Like they're just all gone. <laughs> you know, you don't, you just don't see them like you said with the exception of Joe and Vince you know we just don't get their perspective and it's so important for us to be able to like champion these kinds of topics that are happening in our field right now to get the perspective of everybody and so I'm I kind of just want to know like What's up? I have some thoughts about it, but I want to, you know, I'm glad to be here to listen more than anything else because I've done my fair share of talking. So I'm really excited to just like hear everybody else's perspective and listen and learn and share when I can. Thank you, Stephanie. All right, we're going to go ahead and move to the second question. So question number two is, what is each person's history with participating in social justice or DEI activities? 
Um, what opportunities are you aware of both within the field of behavior analysis and outside of it to learn more? Um, did you have to seek out these activities or are people calling you in to participate? If you haven't participated in these activities, why? If you know people who aren't participating, why? That's kind of, um, they, not everyone has to answer all those questions, but those are some of the things I was thinking about when we're looking at the history for this. So I'll go ahead and go first um, because I'm talking, so <laughs> just keep doing that. But um, for me, so I'm not, I'm gonna frame this from the like observation standpoint because the topic tonight is where have all the white men gone? So I'm not gonna talk about my actual history with these things, but it may come up as a comparison. So um, what, I, what I've seen is prior to George Floyd's murder and all of these increases in different opportunities, whether it's within behavior analysis or outside of different social justice and DEI like trainings and things to go to, um, I maybe went to a, like a few events here and there, whether it was because it was required at Ohio State or um, like one of my friends might've been hosting it and I was trying to support them or whatever. Um, but one of the things that I've noticed, as I mentioned in the introduction, is we've hosted, we've hosted three different microaggression workshops with Stephanie and colleagues. I've attended quite a few, as many as I can, BABA presentations. They do one a month. I did the Task Force ABA. Um, we've been hosting these difficult discussions. We have the reading to action groups, right? So I would say over the last nine or 10 months, I've probably been to maybe 20. Um, also outside of behavior analysis, Ohio State had quite a few presentations that they did and I, I've just signed up for various things. And I don't have reference for outside of behavior analysis so much because they were things where you couldn't see who was on. But inside behavior analysis at those like 20 different things I've gone to, I can count on one hand, I could tell you who the people were that were there that are white men in our field. Even though if I were to pull um, like conference presentations that are happening for 2021, like, you know, featured invited keynote speakers for um, ABAI or APBA or CASP or, um, you know, uh, name your different, you know, state organizations and all of those things, there's still at least going to be five to 10 white men in those positions presenting. So like what's happening to me, that's one of the big things that comes up. Like what, what's going on here? And my, my brain goes to like the thoughts I have about it are, do they think they're just too good for this? Like, do they just think they don't need to learn about it? Like what is happening? But when I further analyze it and try to not <laughs> just be so negative, um, other things come up for me as well. Like, um, for me, these different activities that I'm having, one of the big reasons that I attended them is I had friends who called me in and they were like, Megan, where are you? What are you doing? Why aren't you here, right? And so I participated initially as a, you know, a, 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 um, active engaged participant. And then I made connections, new connections with people, developed new friendships and relationships with people I hadn't interacted with before. Um, and then, you know, more and more stuff just comes from that. So for me, it's that initial, like, um, I guess it's a, I don't know the best way to phrase it behavior analytically, because I'm just not fluent enough to think about it. But um, there's basically just that initial step, right? Like, I guess more front kind of a shaping process, really. So if you never get that first step going, 
um, then, you know, and then it's not going to happen. So I don't know how, and maybe people don't feel like they need to, because <laughs> I definitely had some conversations with some um, colleagues where it's like, well, do we really need them to participate? And to me, it's like, yeah, we do. <laughs> But I'm also a white woman, so maybe I'm flawed there and like understanding my perspective might not be appropriate. But my thought is if if not everyone's participating, especially the people who are still in the decision making spaces, then how are they making informed decisions on these social justice and DEI issues that are going like, yes, we can work on breaking things down from below and like boots on the ground. But if the people up in the ivory tower aren't informed of these things it's not going to matter. <laughs> like they'll, they'll still hit a ceiling. Um, so how do we pull them in? Um, I don't have the answer. That's why I wanted to talk about it tonight. Maybe get some insight from Vince and Joe of like what, what brought them in and like, how could we get other people like them to be participating in these activities? One last observation I made as well for the do better collective in general, I've hosted at least, and the peak trainings that I used to do, I've hosted I don't even know, couldn't tell you thousands of people at this point over the last few years in trainings. And it's rare to see them at those two. <laughs> Part of it, I mean, demographically in the field, obviously we know things have shifted. It is more women, but it's still to me, I still, I can't get past that. A lot of the people are in these like leadership kind of ivory tower positions. And even though the content we're covering is new and, um, and stuff that they probably don't know about, I get more, I just get more of an attitude when I interact at conferences with, no, no, I don't even, with white men. Like if I'm talking to them at the bar about, you know, oh, this new thing that people are learning about and don't you want to learn more about it? Nah, I'm good. I'm effective. I'm good. I'm good to go. I'm too busy. I can't, right? So it's like, I don't see them in spaces in general where things are progressing and moving forward unless it's their own work that they're presenting on. Um, and I'm not saying that to be like negative or overly critical, but I do think we need to start analyzing like why that is and how we shift that. Because again, if we have these people in these high positions that are making these decisions and training people below them, and they're not staying on top of where our field is going and what progress is being made because they already know all the things supposedly, that's a problem. <laughs> so, all right. My answer was kind of long. Sorry. Um, Vince, Joe, Stephanie, who wants to go next? Uh, I'll probably be the shortest so I can go and then we'll we'll let the main event right for Joe and Vince to have the floor for the, a longer length of time if you guys are good with that. Um, so my history with participating um, in social justice activities right so initially I think I did a lot of just like posting and trying to heal um, which you know just after the death of George Floyd, but just my own experience and stuff like that. And I did have friends who called me in and they're like, your voice is important. You need, you need to let other people hear um, your point of view and your perspective. And so I got called in um, for a lot of those things, presentations and stuff like that, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And at times it was really hard, but it was very good. Um, and I think for the for the perspective of this panel, I think that a lot of times, just my own point of view, right? Um, I don't think that white men are getting called in for those things as often because I think people are kind of tired 
in some regards of hearing their point of views and don't think that they have anything eloquent or um, adequate even to add to the conversation, which I wholeheartedly disagree with, um, to be quite honest. I think that you do need different perspectives when you're having these kinds of conversations. Most importantly, I think I've said to Megan and to other people, on more than one occasion, like I can say something to a white male or a white woman. And just by the simple fact that I am a black female who is oftentimes, um, let's call it bold. Um, it, it's not going to come across as depending on your biases, right? It's not going to come across as kind and considerate and as loving even as I want it to at times because I have a lot of learning history myself. Um, and sometimes I forget that it's not just about the speaker, but it's about the listener. Typically my, you know, I'm, my actions and my, my speech is under the stimulus control of my audience, but sometimes it's not. And in those moments, I can come across as um, less than stellar. <laughs> we'll say that. And so, and so in those moments, right, um, it's not going to be, I'm, what is happening? I'm so sorry. I told you I was a mom from the beginning. Um, it's fine. <laughs> thank you. And so, and so in those moments, right, um, it, it might not come across the way it should or the way that's going to be the most effective for the listener. But if we had more white men joining the conversation and talking to each other um, about the change that needs to occur, I think you would see um, that there are white men pulling other white men in. That's what you need, right? You need, because when I, when I go to do a panel or a training or whatever, I tap my friend on the shoulder. I'm like, hey, come go to this thing with me. What do you think about this? And so we need, <laughs> and so we need white men. I just on camera recorded throwing tissue at the child. I just realized that. <laughs> It was just a tissue, it's fine. <laughs> um, but we we need white men to pull each other in because really and truly, okay, so let, let's just be honest, right? Let's just be real for a second. Um, unfortunately, the, the way our society works, right, is that things are important because we deem them to be important, right? Because behavior goes where reinforcement flows, right? And so socially, whatever we decide as a collective is important that's what's important. And our society has decided as a collective that white men are the authority, right? Like that's just what has happened. And so when white men speak, people listen, you know? I can talk all day and you're like, shut the hell up. But when white men speak, people listen to them. And so we need them to be able to come out and have these conversations, even if, you know, it. Even if it's just to converse, to say like, we're different, but this is what it is. It's kind of where I am on that. Um, and I think the reason why we don't see a lot of white men is 
for lack of better words. And this is so not behavioral analytic at all, but it's an ego thing, right? And it's and it's it's a it's also like access to it is kind of like an access to tangible, right? You you need to continue to have access to your privilege and your power and your state of control, right? That is something that they need to be able to maintain you know, my own perspective, um, they need to be able to maintain that. And if you're having these kinds of conversations about social justice and about like there being um, like racial inequality and things of that nature, it becomes a threat to their very being. And so if who wants to contribute to a threat to their existence, right? Like, I know I don't. But, but this is also important because not talking about it is a threat to my existence. And so how do you really level the playing field in that way if we can't just like call a spade a spade? Um, uh, I said I wasn't going to be long and I'm sorry. It's fine. We have plenty of time. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> Thank you, Stephanie. Vince, Joe, who wants to go next? You know, I went first last time. You want to go first this time or I'll do it if you don't want to. Yeah, I'll go. I, I, I think I'll be short just because um, I, uh, that's just typically who I am. I, I typically don't talk too long unless I go on a really, really big tangent. Then I can keep on going on. Uh, but so I so first, like just. I have participated in conversations with other professionals in the ABA field. Um, we did that podcast um, with Adrian. Um, and that was, I tell you what, that was a hard conversation, but I enjoyed that. And it was, um, it was fun. It was eye-opening. And I really do appreciate talks like that. Um, and then also for me, like during my foster care classes, we talked about how as parents, we will have to navigate um, providing care to children who might come from a different background. Um, and we tr even discussed in our classes, like how are we going to have those difficult conversations with, you know, our family? You know, you'd never thought like you would have to have conversations with family, but hey, um, we're going to have a, you know, we're going to introduce this child and he's going to be a different color than us. I mean, and um, I mean, my, our families are amazing. Like they're, they're super accepted. I mean, accepting, but we already had that, those conversations with all our family members to keep them like in the loop and like, like, Hey, this is coming. This is happening. You're going to be, have to be okay with this. And if you're not, then you're out. We're not going to let you be part of our lives if you're not okay. Um, so we already had talks like that with our families. Um, and then we also discussed like, how are we going to come up? I mean, how are we going to handle it in the community? You know, like if we're at Bush Gardens, uh, go and ride the roller coaster and, you know, we're walking down, but we're going to get, we're going to look at, looks at, I mean, looked at because like where we're rolling a child who's Asian with us, uh, how are we going to deal with that? And, you know, but at the same time, with my wife and I, we, we decided like, this is what it's going to be. And this is what we want. So we don't care what other people think. Um, and then also today, uh, my company today just had a presentation on this very matter as well. 
Um, so I, I'm getting exposed. And just like Vince, I love his little analogy. Like, this is where he's at. This is like where I'm at too. Like, I'm down here. And like, I'm always, I come from a place where I want to learn and I'm curious. And I always want to strive to learn more and do more, um, not just for the people surrounding me, but myself as an individual. Um, so I always want to strive to like, try to learn more. Um, I have, as far as like knowing what, uh, what's being presented or what's um, happening, I know that Baba has hosted a number of activities. I follow them on Eventbrite. So then I know like when the next event is coming up. Um, and I also know that um, by like when people uh, post online on Instagram, I, I learned that way that these events are coming up. Um, now for me, why am I not participating in more? Um, personally, I feel like like I am in a situation, I, I'm just going through day-to-day -day life and trying to learn more, but I, I, I'm in that mode where like I'm trying to learn all the things still as behavior analyst and trying to service my clients. And trying to, but at the same time, trying to incorporate social justice issues um, and trying my best to learn more and try to be participating in those events. But um, I also know there's other events that I want to do, but I'm just not there. I just don't, I'm, I'm not anywhere. Um, I'm, I do my best at trying to participate, but I'm like my, I'm just so busy. Um, where I'm at. Um, but as far as why other people, as uh, definitely white men, I feel like the reason why we're not participating, uh, like other white men are not participating is because their mindset is not right. I feel like they're not coming from a place of curiosity or willing to learn are wanting to be curious about what they can do better as individuals um, to make the world better or what they can do to make our society better. I think there's, I think there's some people out there, but we do need to do better um, and participate, participate more. Um, but that's just my thoughts. I said I kept, I'll keep it short, but, um, I'll let Vince go, but I know Vince is, I'll, I already love Vince. I, this is the first time I met him, but he is so energetic and I love his. <laughs> He's a good closer, isn't he? <laughs> Even though this is only the second question, but it's fine. <laughs> he really is. All right, Vince, you're up. Yeah, no, pr no pressure now, right? I, I promise it's, it's not the caffeine in this. I, uh, it's just my, it's the way I always am. But my wife said to bring the, the biggest glass possible as a way of kind of man spreading and just being like, yeah, I'm out there. I got my big NASA cup, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just a little, you know, subtle thing about us white men in our big containers. But anyways, I um, love your wife. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to do it. And she said, I was okay. Anyways. Um, yeah, I do. I do have a lot to say, but I, I'll try to, 
I'll try to manage it a little bit. I, I, I really liked this question and, and there's there's two parts of it. So uh, let I'll, I'll do the first part kind of quickly about my own history with participating in social justice issues because I think that second question, question about kind of why aren't other people and why am I not myself doing more? I think that's just a really interesting part to get to. Um, but I will start with uh, kind of my own history. Let's, um, I started to become involved at the next level in terms of social justice at, a, at, at some real level of social justice with George Floyd's murder and the reaction of society, which I think is important to realize because if George Floyd has just been murdered and that story was over in one day, I would not be here right now, right? Like this is really important to recognize in terms of when, when we think about the importance of, of getting everyone involved it is that momentum a lot of times that moves society forward, that moves people forward. Now, the thing to keep in mind is for me, it started with negative reinforcement. It's me looking at the world and going, oh my God, we can't keep having things be like this, okay? That's what started me off was negative reinforcement. But what I've tried to do from that starting point is use what Megan was saying, kind of a, a shaping process. And it reminds me, Every single week, I still get on Facebook from Noom this uh, this 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 um, ad that basically says, "Vince, you suck at losing weight." And I do. I suck at losing weight. I am that up and down little regular. I was at I was at I was down to my goal weight in December, and I was just like, "Yeah, I'm back!" And then I'm back. All my, I'm like I'm like five pounds away from where I'm started right now. I'm like, "Son of a gun! I got to get ready for the summer now in Fava, so I'm going to go back down again." And like Noom is all about this gradual curve kind of situation, right? Which is a shaping process. It's about using positive reinforcement. It reminds me, Aubrey Daniels talk about the importance of positive reinforcement and getting discretionary efforts to kind of move along. I think of the, the Star Wars analogy of, of positive reinforcement and shaping is the light side of the force. And it's, it's what moves things along and negative reinforcement and punishment, that's the dark side of the force. It gets things done, but it, it's faster, but it's not better, okay? So I'm trying to stick with the light side of the force. And so what I did to begin with was I just looked at what's easy for me, what's easy for me that might make a difference, or I think at least what might make a difference. And we do conference presentations. So I said, well, heck, one of the things I've always tried to do was at least like put in the one token Asian and the one token black person into my presentations. And I said, this is this is all wrong. The fact of the matter is I've had tons of white people in my presentations for years. And what I really need to do is let's flip the script. Let's go ahead and put in some of these amazingly powerful pictures of, of, of black people and, and Asian people that I see the um, black presentation present presenters bringing to these conferences where I'm like, wow, that picture is freaking awesome. Where did you get that? And so when I went down that rapid hole, what was really interesting is that you can't get those pictures for free. The white people pictures, there's tons of really good high quality images that you can get on, on Google, but you can't get it uh, when it comes to, to, to black people. And I've, I've talked about this before, but the, the route I took was then saying, well, let's look at some other uh, places that actually, um, some, some places that do people of color pictures and, and which ones are out there and which ones are actually owned by people of color and actually then taking the next step to say, hey, I'll actually pay for these pictures, I'll, I'll, I'll make that investment. And if, I, if you just started me off with saying, your conferences have to be different, so pay for your pictures, I've been like, hell no, I don't have the money. I'm trying to put a kid through college and I've got kids coming, I got three other boys that are still coming up through college. Like, this is crazy. My, my wife is nowhere near will, willing to pay for these pictures. 
but through a shaping process, um, it's something that got me there. I started to get involved in the reading to action group because I like journal articles and I like to talk and I like to hear from other people and stuff like that. So it, it's all been part of a shaping process. But again, for me, the question becomes, yeah, but what's the next step, right? Like, what am I doing in my community that makes a difference? And what am I doing uh, that might actually change the world and make things better for Black people and not just a little bit of fun for me and a little bit of extra people involved in my present, you know, a, a little bit more visuals involved in my presentation and stuff like that. So which comes to the second part of the question, which is, so what's what's holding me back or, or, or what's going on with that um, kind of situation? And, and, and there's a couple things that, that come to mind. The first is for me, I always get concerned about superstitious behavior. And I'm, I'm not trying to say this as a cop out, but I always get concerned about what are the real results of the effort that we put in to the things that we do. Because I feel, uh, if you were to look like it, in, in a lot of us work in, in the field of autism, there are a lot of teachers out there that go to school and try to help kids with autism by putting together these visual schedules and these, and these visual books that are way beyond the, the ability of the kids to actually understand, but they feel like they're doing something because they're doing something, right? They're putting that book together and they're putting it in front of the kid and it's like, look what I'm doing, but it doesn't have an impact, right? And so I admit it's hard because these kinds of things, you're not gonna just see an immediate effect, right? Or, or I'm still searching for where do I find the thing that I say, yes, I believe in that the way I believe in ABA. And so that cause, I am freaking on board. Let's get this done, right? And there's been a, a couple of things out there, like um, I wrote it down, the, the eight can't wait policies. If you've ever heard of that before, right? The eight can't wait policies are real. I'm like, oh my God, here we go. Here's some data and some real, like do this kind of situations. So like what I'm looking, I'm looking for those things, but like, why do I not take the next step? I, I do have a real, um, uh, I, uh, what's the word, Crit not criticism. I'm, I'm real, I, I, I just don't think the government works the way it should all the time, right? Like I, the, the, the other uh, two years ago, they had tons of teachers go to the state house, like thousands of teachers going to the state house saying, we need more money. You are not paying us enough. And it had no effect whatsoever. It did not, well, I should at least say, when I say it had no effect, it did not change how much they were actually making when it came to salary. And so I, I do sometimes think that because there's not an immediate effect to some of the things that you do and an immediate tangible effect where you say, hey, this has made a huge difference when in the cause of social justice. I think sometimes it's hard to keep to get people bought in from the beginning because they say, well, I have more important things to do, right? It's that short-term versus long-term um, look of fun things. So that, that's one uh, thought. The second thing is, um, because I, I do simply think that the principles of behavior are in effect and there's a, a practical reality here. Uh, Megan has mentioned one of them. Uh, I feel safe to talk during this because I don't think that I can make a career ending comment here because I'm just not that important, right? I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have a great job, but I just, I'm not, I'm not gonna say anything that's super stupid. And I'm not some like high level kind of person like some of them that we know that have a chance of ruining their career if they, if they say something wrong. Well, why don't they do that? Well, because that's, a, that's behavioral. Like we know that's the way the world works. It's not something about them. It's, it's because that's the way that 
the behavioral principles work. Um, I, I liken it to uh, my son is really into physics. He loves SpaceX. He thinks he's going to go work for SpaceX one day. And if you think about it, nowadays, the principles of physics are pretty much recognized throughout the world, right? But that's new, right? At least in the last 500 years or so. Just think of Galileo back in the day and the fact that the church is like really questioning his scientific techniques. He's like, never mind, I didn't mean it, even though I did kind of situation, right? Well, if a rocket blows up from SpaceX, no one nowadays says the problem isn't the rocket. We need to stop gravity from interfering, right? Or uh, Elon uh, doesn't say, well, we need to pray to the gravity gods for this to work or something like that. Well, the, the principles of behavior analysis, I think we still don't treat them that way. And I think sometimes the slogans that are out there, sometimes we may interpret it from a behavior analytic perspective, but I get concerned that a lot of people in society aren't. So for example, one of the things that I, I hear a lot of times is it says, people need to be willing to engage in uncomfortable conversations, right? You hear that all the time. Why aren't more white men willing to engage in uncomfortable conversations? And when I hear that, it reminds me of the slogan, just say no to drugs, okay? Because I mean, what do you mean people need to be willing to be uncomfortable? What you're saying is, People need to be willing to engage in aversive situations. Well, no, people don't want to engage in, in, in aversive situations. Like that's that's not the way biological behavioral principles work. It's a lot more complex than that. I go running and it hurts sometimes, but there's a reason why that happens. And so I get concerned that I, I think what ABA has to add to this conversation is I think sometimes white men are involved simply because <clears throat> either... Uh, or, or there, it's it's not an immediate effect for them, right? And it, it I mean, I think this is something that that Stephanie uh, had already said beforehand, or, or maybe it was Joe. Like, it doesn't have an immediate outcome for them the way other things that they published have have uh, had an immediate outcome for them. But we shouldn't be surprised by this. We should we should recognize that's the way society is right now. And it's like, how can we change that so that to to move them along? Um, to, to potentially do things that we uh, want them to do. And so here's the last thing I'll say, sorry, it's already well, it's way too long, is uh, just that the, the third thing I think that needs done is when you think about like a true functional analysis, there's that, that, um, that thing out there and I can't remember the initials, I always mess it up. It was like the, the PDD, HCL, NCI, whatever it is where like you were looking at assessing what a technician was doing right and not doing right. And it was, it, it had all of this stuff like, well, you know, are there, the, the antecedent things and do they have a checklist there and do they have more? And sometimes I think, well, is it as simple as these people need to be asked? Like they don't think they need, they don't think they're part of the conversation because we don't have the right people asking them what to do, you know? Or is it that there's a time situation here? They're so focused on other things and we need to look at how can we, can we, can we kind of focus in on those things? Um, so I, I guess that's, uh, I'll, I'll stop there, but that's kind of some of the reasoning that goes through my head for why I think I am where I am and why I potentially think other people might be where they're at. In true Vince fashion, so energetic and so many great points. Thank you everyone for um, answering question two. So we have nine minutes left for questions three and four, but they're like the faster ones. So question three is just, you know, what's an aha moment you had just now listening to each of the people talk. So I'll share mine first and then we'll go through. Um, one of the things that you said, Vince, and I, I think Stephanie might've brought it up as well around like the reinforcement piece, um, made me think about, you know, a lot of the times in the different presentations that are happening, the, 
you know, Stephanie definitely brought this up. The, um, the content that's being discussed does run counter to the experience that a lot of, especially white males have had in like how the world should work and operate. Um, so from a reinforcing standpoint, it's not, <laughs> it's not reinforcing to attend presentations like that. I would imagine to like hear about, um, you know, kind of like damn the man, you know, why, like, let's get you out of here. Like, let's bring down the patriarchy. And I think, I don't know how to frame it differently or, or what words to say, but there seems to be like a personal reaction to that instead of like understanding that like the patriarchy is a thing and you like you are a white male, but that's, you are not also the patriarchy, if that makes sense. Like you can be a white male and still take down the patriarchy. Um, and I think a lot of people don't necessarily get that. Like I can be a white woman and still be like anti-racist and like working to stop systemic racism. Um, and I can also be part of the problem. <laughs> like all of those things can exist at one time, but that doesn't define me as Megan Miller. But I like what I often tend to see, like hearing both of you kind of talk about that, it made me think about like a lot of the, the guys that I've tried to talk to about these things get super defensive, super fast because they think I'm talking about them as a human being, um, as opposed to recognizing that like, no, there's these things, these systems here that we're trying. And just because you're, um, you're part of that, you know, you know, topographically, physically, physiologically part of that group um, doesn't necessarily mean you're, you're, you can't like work to take it down. Um, and then the other thing that I was thinking about, um, it came up, I think a few different people mentioned is just like this idea of like, it, it's, you know, it is uncomfortable to participate, but nobody's even saying like, people need to be up on the panel like this. I'm talking presentations that are happening from like stellar behavior analysts, especially like black women um, presenting on like really amazing topics. And when I look, you can see the list of participants, at least noticeably based on that list and based on knowing who I know in the field, no one's there that's white men, like a white male. <laughs> so they don't even have to comment in the chat box. They don't have to worry about saying the wrong thing. They're just literally not there. Um, and that's to me, like, I don't, necessarily care if they're conversating if they are at that point where they feel like they can chime in and, and like not risk ruining their career or all that kind of stuff like from the shaping process if you don't even come to the event at all like we're not even close um so hopefully more people will start inviting them um all right uh stephanie do you want to go next yeah oh am i okay yeah yes um thank you i I think something you just said was really important to me. It's like, it, and it made me think of what my mom says all the time. She's like, um, for different reasons, but it still rings true. What you allow, you accept, right? And it's like, beside taking us through all the frames, thank you very much, Megan. She's like, you can still be part of the patriarchy, you know, um, a, a white male and not part of the patriarchy. And like, but what you allow you accept and I think that's that's the thing is that the the reason you don't have the people you need to have in those rooms to listen and become engaged and get a part of that conversation yes to Vince's point it's uncomfortable and no one willingly participates in aversive events but also because what you allow you accept if I participate in these things, I also have to accept some really uncomfortable things about my upbringing, right? And about the privileges I've had in life. 
and that is not me because I'm not a white male, but from a, from the perspective I assume is a part of that, right? Um, and that's hard to think about that perhaps you have gotten to be where you are, not by your own merit or the strength of your content or your character, but because of your outward appearance, much like I have to sometimes sit and think like, wow, you know, I very well could have been passed over because I'm a black female. They very well have to understand that a part of what got their foot in the door the first time is the fact that they're a white man. And that's, that's a hard thing to come to, I would, I would think. Um, and so I think that was really, um, for me, that was something that resonated with me about what you were just saying. And of course, like Vince, I I would just sit and listen to you talk all day. Like I I there is never an interaction where I've been in a room where you've been speaking and I have not come away better for it. It just makes me so happy. Um, you are so energetic, but you're also very insightful. And like I said, um, I thought what you said, like no one participates in aversive you know, situations willingly, because it is uncomfortable. Do I also think, and I'm allowed, do I also think people need to get, get used to it? I do. But we do have to be cognizant of the fact that that's not an easy ask, right? And then I just really enjoyed learning about you this evening, Joe, and where you come from and who you are as an individual and hearing your insight. And I'm just so pleased, like I missed your, um, your podcast with Adrian, but I'm going to, I'm going to have to go find it and listen to it because I really appreciated everything that you brought to the table. All of you guys, like it was just, you guys are really rock stars and I'm glad I was here to listen and learn. And I hope that, um, I contributed also, but I mean, you guys are just remarkable. So I'm so glad that I got to listen to you. I know we weren't there yet, but that's what I'm saying. So there you have it. Deal <laughs> with you. it. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Stephanie. Um, Joe, do you want to go next? Yeah, I think that um, that something that is a ha aha moment is like it, and it took me a while to realize it. But y'all were talking about reinforcement, like for for us as white male, like what it what what is it really? What are we in, um, interact? I mean, if we attend, like, what are we? What what are we getting reinforcement wise? Like, yes, we're attending, but then we get asked, and we get asked these uncomfortable situations. And like, even if we do attend, we uh, like it, it comes across like very aggressive sometimes, um, or not so much aggressive, but it 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 feels like there's some type of attack and that's where like I feel like it's an aha moment like um that maybe what would be more beneficial is like Stephanie you did great like I really do appreciate you recognizing us and like just uh just saying thank you like I like that to me it's like, okay, when's the next conversation? Like, I, I, I like that. And then it's just like, thank you for, like, for being here and being present. And I, I, I wonder if more people would respond and more white might 
white males would make an effort or attend or take it seriously if we have that type of dialogue that of like just coming from different like people just saying like hey thank you for being here this is this is important to me and it's really important that we continue this conversation and that we continue to work together i feel like uh, like I feel like that is like an aha moment. Like maybe that's what we need for more white whale males to attend. Um, and I could be wrong. I mean, but I mean, who knows? You know. Well, I I guess time will tell. Thanks, Joe. Vince. Yeah, sure. Um, the the first things that come to mind is I really liked uh, Megan your comment and Stephanie your follow up about. Uh, the, that there is an importance to having everyone involved um, and that we do need to have different perspectives when we have these conversations. That really is kind of a different way for, for me to think about it. Like I, I still have this, this thinking of, well, it, it, we want the white men there like uh, to the side or giving their support, but they're kind of like secondary to the conversation that's going on. Um, but I, I like your kind of more all-encompassing look of it, this, this idea that, that really for a true dialogue to happen, then you have to have the conversation with everyone. And obviously, you know, my, my philosophical mind, I, I, I understand how difficult that can look at sometimes because like one of you said, well, you know, we've already heard from the white men for so long. Why are we still hearing from the white men and finding that right balance? But but to, to make the point that there should be a, a balance there and that we do need everyone's perspectives, I thought that was uh, very insightful. And then um, I, I do like hearing about everyone's uh, different experiences. Joe, it resonated with me when you were talking about the fact that really the people you grew up with, while you might have, have, have had one Black person that you came in contact with, it really was mostly white. That was absolutely my experience as well, even within this these kinds of cultural differences that I had. So that, that spoke to me. And uh, Megan's comment that you still get a vibe from white men when you talk with them that's different from other people that you talk with like that's meaningful to me um i i i think that's something that i want to kind of remember in terms of like well where where are we right now um in this discussion at least in terms of kind of what other people are uh, potentially seeing i think that's important so Thank you, Vince. All right, so we're going to run over a few minutes we already have, but last question is just what's your action items? What's something that the people who are listening to this discussion could go do to help improve this issue? So mine is going to be for everyone listening, tap in one of your white male friends and encourage them to participate in some of these conversations. Um, you know, whether it's anything that we're doing with the collective or BABA or the ABA task force or any other event that's happening and not just join, but join from a place of curiosity. It's not, it's not a time to be defensive and try to argue with what's being talked about. It's a time to join and see what you can take away from it and what actions you can take from there. But whether like, so like Joe, Vince, Stephanie and I, like, you know, each committing to do that for the next conference or whatever event, great, but like every single person listening and watching this, we get hundreds of people that, you know, listen to this on our podcast. Um, find one there. You got to have at least one white male friend in the field, <laughs> invite them to the next thing, please. Um, so that we can get more going with active participation there. I'm just going to go around like we did just now. So Stephanie, what's your action item? I, um, 
I, I hope I can get to. Um, I do think we need to tap white males on the shoulder. Um, I might get a lot of trouble in a lot of trouble for saying this, but something that resonated with me was um, what like what Joseph just said when he's like, uh, you know, it really helps to say thank you. And then what Brian also typed in the chat, like sometimes having conversations like this can feel almost like an attack. And I think for those of us who are part of marginalized groups, we're so, it probably feels like an attack because that's what we feel like every day. Um, so I think we're fighting to not be fighting, but I think maybe I would also like people who look like me to be cognizant of the fact that um, sometimes shaping is the best way and that, and that, I don't get me wrong. I don't want to diminish the fact that like I feel attacked on the daily, but I do want to make sure that we recognize that, you know, signs of damage for sure. But also like the best way to get someone to listen to you is not by yelling at them or using, using verbiage that feels um, divisive. But in lieu of that, like bringing people together um, really takes a little bit of finesse. And so maybe that is something that we can start to implore because we fought already, right? We've already done that. So now that we've done that, maybe we can soften the tone a little bit sometimes. Thank you, Stephanie. I love that. Um, and just because Brian said this in the chat real quick, we, we're not going to have time for people to share, but it kind of ties in with what you and I both said. So Brian said, I think we need to engage white males through their values. I'm seeing those who overcome the discomfort um, because we engage through their values. And I think, I mean, obviously we know that um, is important. And I think that's why there's certain discrepancies between who's attending these events. And um, we kind of talked about that. It doesn't, it doesn't hit, it doesn't connect for, oh, why would I want to go in a room and sit and listen to how, how horrible of a human I am because I was born a white male, <laughs> right? Like, I don't think that's going to be very appealing to many people. Um, sorry, I know I'm like going off script here, but Stephanie, I couldn't help like when you were talking about that to think about just like different contexts, right? Like you and I might have a text message exchange and like, you know, piss and moan about white men all we want and just like hate, 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 hate um, and get it all out of our system. It's super reinforcing all that kind of stuff. But yeah, what's that going to accomplish if that's what we're doing to the face of the people, right, that we're trying to help like shift and shape, it's probably not going to be very productive. So being able to understand where like your reinforcers are coming in, like it feels good for me to vent all that and like, ha, ha, ha. yeah, it's you white men. Um, but that doesn't mean it's going to do anything. You're right. You're right. It's like, it's like, it's kind of like, you know, ever since we had that reading the action, um, it like, I think of everything with Malika, Dr. Malika Pritchard, you know, like I, I think of everything so different. It's like we, social justice is a fight. It feels like that for us, but it doesn't have to be without love. Like you can still communicate in love and respect and speak to people's values without diminishing your own. Like that's important for us to get. And I don't think I, I I'm so grateful to Vince and Joseph and Brian too, like, because I don't think I thought of that 
like in all honesty, I don't think I ever I was not worried about how you felt, you know, not to be not to be crazy. But but seriously, like when I think about social justice, like I was like, how you feel is not important right now. But that's not the truth. Like how you feel is important right now um, because you're a part of the conversation, because you also need to be part of the resolve. So, yeah, I'm done. Sorry, you guys. It's fine. I love it, Stephanie. Thank you. Joe, um, action items, whether it's for like you or others listening, what do you, what do you think? I think the biggest action step I have is, well, first for the listeners is to stop, uh, continue to tap me in, like, let me know of what's coming up. So then I can make sure that I can plan for those events and make sure I can attend and schedule my time um but also i'm what i'm going to do is i'm going to attend those those events i'm going to communicate and i'm also going to start tapping in people i know that are all white males to join with me and show them that hey i'm doing this it's important for you to come with me I will, I will be there. So, um, so I'll be there. And if anything happens, I'll take the heat. But um, I want you, it's important for us to be together and to continue. And then maybe he, the, the white male that I have behind, like that came with me, will tap in someone else and will continue that domino effect. Um, and, you know, eventually, you know, over time, we will have a bigger presence and be able to collaborate and work together and talk about things like this and be open to new ideas. And my biggest thing is also to talk to people and tell them that if you're going to do this, you need to come with an open mind in a place of curiosity. Because if you come in not thinking about being curious, curious, curious about what's happening, my middle R's are terrible. I, I hate that. Uh, but um, then we're not open to learn, you're not going to come in and you're not going to be willing to accept to learn or to um, work to with someone. I don't care if you're just, you come there and you're just come there and say like, I'm here, but that's not the point. We need people to come with an open mind and a place of curiosity so then we can work together and be better. Awesome. Thank you, Joe. All right, Vince, before you close us out, one thing I have to make sure we say when, when I'm talking about encouraging white men to participate, I just realized that it means also like, don't take over. Just like I was forewarned when people were calling me in, like being the white woman, it's really an issue actually maybe even more so with white women coming in and just being like, well, let me help fix all this stuff, like the white savior situation. Um, So when we're encouraging more participation, it doesn't mean like come take over and like just try to run the show. It means, you know, be collaborative and like we've been saying, open and curious. Um, All right, go for it, Vince. (laughs) Great. Okay. Okay. So yeah, in a, in a nutshell, 
uh, from a general perspective, I would say what I'm trying to do from this point forward or been trying to do is to keep creating environments that reinforce actions that promote social justice, right? So what environments, how can I make it that the world we live in makes it so other people and myself want to engage in actions that promote social justice things? And that starts with really just being remaining curious and, and trying to take a step back to see why are people doing what they're doing right now? Like, what is it that's motivating them to do these things that they're doing in a non-judgmental way? And why aren't they doing other things? And also being kind of open to maybe the way I'm doing things isn't the only way, maybe there's other things that they're doing, but also recognizing that I think I really am doing some good things and I wanna get some other people to do those same things. So that being said, some more specific things, Absolutely, it's about inviting more white men and, and kind of every chance or, or when I uh, can, who's the next person in line that I try and invite to, to go some uh, to some things. But the other part, when that is failing, which it is failing sometimes, is also looking more closely at what do I need to do to make it so white men need to come? Like, what do I have at my disposal? I have CEUs to my disposal in a, in a, at a certain level at, in my organization. So it's like, like, is that what, what's necessary? Or is it is it more along the lines of, of, of like, yeah, just what, what's, what's it gonna take? Um, beyond that, then though, as much as I talk about that, honestly, for myself, there's really three things I'm working on. One is my own kids, because that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's someone I'm around all the time that I'd really like to, to promote more, especially with the kids that are still at home. Um, my work, uh, and ABA is, is second, just kind of what am I going to be doing? Baba, going to the Baba conference is, is the next kind of check mark on my list of, of things I want to do. And, and really for me, it's that next step of what am I going to be doing in my own community? And that's the one that I still don't know. Like, what is it that um, I want to do? But I know no matter what, it, for me, it is all about, I think, focusing on behavioral, behavioral principles, recognizing that there's a reason for why things are happening and there's a response that can change what's happening and behaviorally looking at things is a very powerful way of making that happen is kind of what I'm trying to continue to do in my life to move social justice issues along. Thank you, Vince. Stephanie, do you wanna say what you wrote in the chat real quick and then we'll close out? Oh yeah, I was just saying um, in response to like what Joe was saying um, about bringing other white, I mean, not white men in and but you and then you were like well but don't take over right um it's really about being an ally and saying like hey i'm here with you i'm here for you how can we work together to get this done i'm your ally and we go together but you tell me when right because it, you also have to recognize that like it's it is your fight but it's not your fight right we need we like your help is needed to change the world but you also have to let people you know kind of like tell you when because it's really their fight but you know that it needs to it needs to happen right um so it's that it's it's saying i'm here with you i'm here for you i'm your ally we go together but you tell me when and thank you because you always say that megan <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Well, thank you all. Sorry we went over 15 minutes tonight, but this was an excellent conversation and one I don't think we've really heard. So um, I'm just huge kudos um, to everyone for participating tonight because to me, again, this was probably one of the trickier ones. I, I didn't wasn't even 100% sure if I was going to 
put it out there, but thankfully Joe and Vince agreed to participate and here we are. So thank you. And Stephanie, always wonderful to have your insights and um, just your, your amazing comments and reinforcement. I just wish we lived together so I could have your joy <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I love you. I'm going to see you soon though, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks everyone. Have a good night. Thank you guys. Have a beautiful night. Bye.